Welcome, everyone. My name is Michael S. Sieber. You're listening to Equal Chance to Be Unequal, my podcast about unlocking human potential through helping people disconnect from their purpose, uncover, and live their purpose. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Equal Chance to Be Unequal. Today's guest is Ashley LaRae Sampson who began her career as a style consultant for superstars such as Jay-Z, Kanye West, Keisha Cole, and The Dream, and as an image consultant for athletes and professional business persons. In 2010, Ashley founded Style Phoenix, transitioning into creative consulting that helps organizations and leaders convey powerful messages to their target market through CEO and personal branding, marketing, image and style, and social media. She has also recently expanded her passion for mindfulness into Mind, Style, Soul, a transformative studio focused on helping organizations and individuals bridge the gap between professional development and mindful empowerment. Ashley dedicates her time, her free time, to the community through community empowerment as the chair of the Phoenix Valley Young Professionals, co-chair of marketing for Girls in Tech Phoenix, vice chair of Phoenix Police Chief Jerry Williams Business Council, and as a youth mentor with New Pathways for Youth. And with that, Ashley, welcome to Equal Chance to Be Unequal. Michael, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, it is my pleasure. I have really enjoyed following you, Ashley, in a lot of different ways, whether it's on your Instagram account or seeing a recent presentation in early December 2018 that you had given through Valley Young Professionals and through the Greater Phoenix Chamber of Commerce. I think you and I have met for coffee a couple times in probably the last year or so. So I'm really grateful to not only know you, but also watch your career take off. And so for that, it's like really, really cool to watch those things happen for you. So kudos to you for the work that you've done and keep it up. Thank you. It's funny, when we actually met, I was working at an entirely new company and I was still learning how to really make my company take off in the way that I wanted in new ways that I haven't done before. So I think our conversations that we've had over the years really helped me too. Oh, good. Yeah, thank you for that. I'd like for you to give our audience just a little bit of your history from some of those younger formative years all the way through today. And we'll ask you some more questions about some of your areas of expertise with regards to branding. But to get us started off, you know, walk us through your journey, Ashley, and the various things that happened from those younger years all the way until now. Sure. I feel like I've got a super diverse, unique background, which I'm really grateful for. And I feel like those are some of the things that have helped me be so successful where I am now. But growing up, I was born in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is a beautiful place, but there's not much diversity there. And my mother is white and my father is black. And so I was the most diverse out of everybody in my entire school. In terms of race, I had the two races where most of the other people in my school were white. And I feel like that really started my journey into being okay with being unique, being okay with being different, being okay with taking risks, gaining very thick skin. And I'm so grateful for that because those types of things have helped me grow and transform throughout my entire career. And I'm not so afraid anymore like I was when I was a very young kid to stand out and to be different and to use my power because I know what it feels like to be on the other end of the stick, you know, on the stick where they don't necessarily want to hear from me or they, or I might not fit in with them. And those are the things that I really can help other people find their way to. And I'm so grateful for that. As I was going into college, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I knew that I loved psychology and I loved communication. So I went to ASU. I had a Gates Millennium Scholarship, which was from Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which was so amazing. They paid for my entire college and for the next year of college after I graduated, I went to the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. So at ASU, I studied psychology and I minored in communications and that has helped me indefinitely. And then I went to study visual communications at fashion school in Los Angeles. And that was my way to bridge the gap between my business mind and my creative mind, because I am very strong in both sides. I'm very smart and intelligent and I'm very creative. So a lot of people don't have the opportunity to bridge that gap like I did. So went to Los Angeles and I studied visual communications. And from that point on, I became a wardrobe stylist and image consultant. So My first client outside of school was Jay-Z, which is wild. I mean, who gets that as your first client, right? (laughs) I didn't even know that that was a possibility to have a job as a stylist on tours, but I did that for years. I worked with him, 
traveled the entire world. I've been to Africa, I've been to Canada, I've been all over Europe, of course, all over the United States and other places. I learned so much from those experiences because working with superstars, like you mentioned some of them earlier, working with superstars and that close contact, I mean, when you're the one with all their clothes, you're also the one that has to spend that time with them as they're getting everything ready, whether it be for a tour, for a music video, for a public appearance. I mean, it could be so many different things. And the business people too, it could be for an interview, it could be for a big speaking event. And you spend a lot of time with those clients. So I was able to sit back like a fly on the wall and really learn how they are so professional. How did they get to this point? How do they act when something goes wrong? How do they respond when their manager comes in and there's a big issue or when something happens that they don't want to happen or that they weren't expecting? And that, I think, laid out the foundation for me learning how to be an observer. Before that point, I wasn't really an observer. I would try to be in it with everybody and I would, you know, try to dig in. And I learned to just sit back sometimes and and watch what's happening like these other superstars. That's what they do. And take everything in before making decisions. And I learned that at a young age because I started working with Jay-Z at 22. And when I didn't want to tour anymore because I was out of town all the time, I decided to start working more locally in Phoenix. I've I've lived in Phoenix for almost 20 years now other than a few times that I was in L.A. And that was when I started working on more photo shoots, more fashion shows, more business people, and more athletes, magazines, and things like that. And that was when I started Style Phoenix, and it helped me to balance the business side in the entertainment industry that I'd never had to do before. And from that point on, I was able to gather how people need to get their brand together. What do they need to become the persona that they want to become? to project the person that they want to project. And I was able to take my past experiences and as, as an image consultant and funnel them into an entirely new thing where I would go speak to professionals, speak to students, and help individuals with pulling everything together as a creative business. And from that point was when I learned that it's really the CEOs and the high-level professionals that really need the help with their own image and their own branding and their own overall persona. So I kind of streamlined into that being my main focus for my clients. And from that point on, I resigned from my job. I was working at the Art Institute of Phoenix as a director of community relations for a few years. I loved that job. It was wonderful. It gave me amazing connections that would be great for the rest of my life. While I was wrapping that up, I decided I want to do CEO and professional branding consulting full-time. And that was when I resigned from the Art Institute and funneled everything into Style Phoenix in terms of now that's what I do. Now I do branding and marketing and social media consulting full-time instead of a little bit of this here and a little bit of this there. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. When I was looking at the, the stylephoenix.co.co website a couple of days ago, there was a section on there. I think it's probably like the About Ashley site. It talked about you're an, an avid coffee shop indulger. You're an avid people watcher and nature explorer and book lover and meditation hound and creativity stalker and Pitbull Mom, which is super fun. Um, I love that there's all this language that really did help to share the variety of your life and not just the fact that you understand personal branding, but it also, in a very, very fun way, was saying, these are all of the things that come together to describe who Ashley is and help to make up her personal brand. I just think that's so cool. Yeah, and that's what I like to help other people do too. It's not just one area or another area. Basically, in order for us to be as authentic as we can with our personal brand or our professional brand, we have to pull in everything. It's not just about your profession. It's what do you love to do on a daily basis? What is the most important thing to you? What do you hate to do? What types of music do you like? If you could be a celebrity, what celebrity would that be? If you were a car, what kind of car would that be? Those are a lot of the exercises that I do when I'm speaking to organizations or doing workshops is I break down those fun little things to help you really streamline who am I and what do I love and what do I like? Because you can't really be as successful as you want to be, be as abundant and prosperous as you want to be if you're not doing what you love and if you don't feel like you can be and act how you love to be and Mm -hmm. act as well. So you got to pull it all together. Yeah, you completely do. And I really, really agree with that. I've given just a little bit of context about who you are, Ashley, through the the bio on the introduction, but also some of these things that I pulled from your website. Now, you're clearly involved in lots of community organizations that I've referenced. You're a community leader. You lead not-for-profit organizations and professional associations. 
through everything that you just described from being raised in Salt Lake to coming to Phoenix to going to LA to coming back to Phoenix, my guess is is that your personal brand has also transformed over those years. Could you describe a little bit about how that has transitioned for you too? Yes, it's so funny because I feel like my personal brand has transformed in so many ways, but it's not always so obvious, which may or may not be a good thing or a bad thing. I've always been in leadership roles. I mean, from the time I was in elementary school, junior high, high school and college, I would be leaders in different areas. For example, I was the president of student council in my high school. Okay. I mean, there's so many different things that I would, I would be in the leader position for when I was growing up. And so I feel like that part of my brand is the same. But me really refining how to be a good leader is what I think my brand has really grown in. And that's how I've been able to position myself. Because there's so many of us that we have to lead so many teams. We have to do so many things. We have to speak our voice in so many different ways. But I wasn't always able to be concise in how I spoke what I really cared about. I wasn't always able to be calm and collected either. I'm so passionate. All growing up, I feel like I was always the leader who was in trouble. <laughs> okay. I was always the leader who was in the office, you know, the school office or things like that. And I've really learned how to embrace that very passionate side of myself, but combine it with how do you be an effective leader while you're being passionate? How do you make sure that you respect others and that they respect you? How do you make sure that you're being so authentic that people cannot hate you for your mm. authenticity because you're saying what you really need to say versus just spouting out how you feel? And that's how my brand has really changed. You know, there's a big focus on the creative side. I was so engulfed in the entertainment industry, even though I was a stylist, it was still the entertainment industry, that that was what my entire brand really was. And I had to learn that I wasn't being taken seriously as a professional in that arena by anybody else outside of that arena, which made it very hard for me to transition into other jobs. I took the, I felt like it was a big risk <laughs> to get out of that industry, get out of styling, get out of the entertainment industry. I stopped working with tours. I stopped working with these megastars. And I went and I became an investment banker with JP Morgan. And I know it sounds very off bat, but when I was in college, I was also, I was a personal banker and I was a teller. So I did have some banking background. But I felt like me going in this other direction and being what others consider to be a, a very straight line professional would help them to see me more seriously. So I kind of had to take what it felt like was a detour to prove myself as a, as a smart business person, not just as a creative. That was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my career. And a lot of people didn't know, like a lot of people in the creative industry didn't know that I was actually now an investment banker. I mean, I had I had to go pass all the tests. I had to get my Series 60, my Series 63, all of these things that investment people know about. And those things helped prove that I was a business person instead of just some fluffy creative who likes fashion. And it was from that point on that I was able to move forward as both a creative and a respectable business person. And mm -hmm. that was when I ended up taking the job at the Art Institute of Phoenix, which was the best. It combined the best of both worlds before I started doing marketing and branding consulting full time. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I think many people go through something very similar for themselves where their parents tell them one thing or they just happen into a specific industry or function. And then they go down and do that for a little while and then realize that it really isn't what they wanted. So then they do need to make that pretty significant shift and go pick up some different skills in a different area. And so in your case, it was going into investment banking and really being known or building the brand as a very, very personable, right? Because you have a very, very strong ability to build relationships, but also a very, very knowledgeable person when it comes to managing something that's very traditional and conservative, right? People's money. So I love the juxtaposition of you didn't let go of that creative side of who you are because that still existed, but you picked up some new skills that have ultimately helped you to become very, very well known in the personal branding sphere to people who aren't necessarily tapped into that creative side. They're very, very well known in whatever industry or function or business they're in. And that gives you an edge over most other coaches in that way. I just think that's a beautiful kind of aggregation or things coming together for you. Thank you. And I think that what really helped me too was the personable side that you said, because I had to learn how to balance the egos when I was a stylist working with superstars. You know, there's no HR <laughs> in that industry. They can fire you in a heartbeat, especially as such a young person, as a young female minority. I mean, anything can happen to us. We're never really taken seriously. 
So I really had to learn how to balance the egos, how to be personable, but still be stern, how to get my work done, but still be able to compromise with others and how to throw out my opinion, but still take your opinion into consideration because it's your look, it's your persona. Uh, That helped me a lot when I was working in the banking industry because the people who would come to me wouldn't just be the high level successful companies or individuals that needed help with their investments and their banking. I was in a banking center. So the other people that came to me I was right there in downtown Los Angeles. So it would be the homeless people and the homeless veterans. And even though my job wasn't necessary to help them with what they needed, because that wasn't in my sphere, really, I would because they felt like I was the one who wasn't judging them. I was being personable with them and I didn't treat them differently. And that all came from me learning how to balance egos and how to balance people in the first place when I very first started in my career. And those two, those two situations combined are what's helped me really understand how to work with high-level executives and people who are just going through a hard time and have maybe lost themselves and need to find that empowerment again. Yeah, yeah, I love that. A couple years ago, when I was really looking at my business and its structure and how I interacted with my clients, I sent a survey to my clients and I said, hey, what are the things that you're really liking the most about my coaching style? And what really caught me off guard was the response overwhelmingly was my capacity to listen to them. And as you just said a second ago, Ashley, observe. And it really struck me that of everything that I've done for clients to date, that the thing that mattered the most to them was your or my capacity for observation and active listening and just being there for them in those moments of success or desire or stress or whatever it might be. And that somehow those are the things that really matter to most because when you're climbing the corporate ladder, guess what? It gets really lonely at the top and you need somebody close that's that's trusted, confidant that can help you with all of those various things. So I think you and I are sharing essentially similar stories, Ashley, in that you loved to be able to observe and listen but still be assertive and get what you need. I found out through this little survey that I did with my clients that what they cared about most was the fact that I listened. And that's a really profound thing to remember or know. Yes, I feel like that's a skill that so many of us really need to work on. Mm. And not just listening, but listening objectively, listening from a higher perspective and without judgment so that you can really give the advice that needs to be given or know when there is no advice to be given, that they can work through it on their own or just ask, knowing what questions to ask because you're listening so well. Yeah, you just made me think of Gabby Bernstein's book called The Judgment Detox. Have you read that? No, I've never read it. I've never okay. Read it yeah. So for everybody listening, Gabby Bernstein has a number of books, but one of them more recently is called The Judgment Detox. And I've read a couple summaries of it and talked to some people who have read it. I've not read it. What Ashley just said is so spot on is that when you listen really actively and you listen with the intent to just understand the person, not listen with the intent to respond, very, very big difference there is that you're releasing your capacity for judgment of that person, his or her experiences, or what he or she may be going through in the moment. Judgment detox is really, really helpful for us to not place judgment onto a person because we have no idea what's going on in their life outside of the work environment. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt and just allow for them to experience what they're going to experience without judgment. Instead of judging, show up and help them. Exactly. Show up and help them. Obviously, the CEO, personal branding, professional branding, executive branding has become really massive, I think, in the last probably five to 10 years, if not longer. Why, Ashley, do you think that it's so important for somebody in the community, a business leader, anybody? Like, why do you think it's so critical for them today? I think that one thing that we've been noticing over the past few years is how highly connected companies are to their CEO or their executives. And we've seen this happen over and over and over again, where we're not necessarily liking or feeling the CEO or the executives in a company, and then the company starts to flounder. It didn't used to be that way. We used to be able to separate. We didn't know who was running the company in a lot of cases because it didn't matter because we just liked the product. And now are all of these new generations coming up, are they're really liking to connect the two. CEOs and executives, professionals are no longer just, they don't just have their personal life, just doing their own thing and it doesn't matter what they do behind the scenes. It does matter what we do behind the scenes and people really care and they associate that with our product. So helping us to really formulate authentically who we wanna be, why we wanna be that way, see it in the future, visualize those things and then figure out the steps to step in between here where we are now and where we wanna be 
can be so profound and it can really, really, really help drive our own perspective and what we want to do and the products that we want to sell and who we want to help and the kind of change that we want to make in our company or in the world and our society and our community, whatever it is. And people get behind that. But when we're confused, when it's not making sense, when people don't really see what they need to see or when, when we're hiding away and then they do see us and it doesn't really match up with who they think we are, I feel like that's just a lose-lose. <laughs> oh my gosh, I agree. Yeah, so that's why I think it's so important for us to really learn how to align our personal and our professional brands so that we can be cohesive and authentic always. Hmm. Whether we're at home, whether we're at the grocery store, or whether we're you know in a business meeting. Yeah, and it makes me think of a couple things. When you were speaking, Richard Branson came to mind. I follow him on Instagram, and, and it's so fun to kind of watch him do life he does it very, very differently, I think, than most people. But there's a strong connection between Richard Branson's approach to life and who he is as an individual and what you see through all of the Virgin companies and kind of that ability to take risks and that fun, you know, doing things a little bit untraditionally. There's definitely a connection there. But when you go find other firms that have very, very stated values and a very, very specific mission, when somebody on the executive team does not exude those same character traits that the firm espouses to have, then all of a sudden you begin to question, like, does the firm really care about these things? Is this really important to them? Do you have any examples of that, Ashley, where you've maybe worked with somebody or maybe that you've seen in popular culture where the brand says one thing, but then the leaders are doing something totally different and maybe you've like seen an outcome from that? Yeah, I mean, I think the Me Too movement is a perfect example. Nice. Yeah, that's great. I like that. <laughs> perfect example. I think our government is another good example, too. What we know these organizations to to portray basically isn't necessarily what we see the leaders doing. Yeah. And I think that as soon as you see that, you're like, I'm not even interested because we we have this uncanny ability to see through the BS, to see through the illusions. And so once there's any little bit of exposure to that, of things not lining up, it rubs us the wrong way. And even if we don't exactly know what's happening or why, we want to dissociate ourselves from those things. And that means whether it's a company or whether it's a person. Like I said, the Me Too movement is a great example. You see all of these movies, all of these people, all of these sets. I mean, there's exuberance everywhere. And then you see that some of the people leading these situations really were being harmful, right? That's, I'll just say harmful. Mm-hmm. We're being very harmful yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways. It becomes very confusing then you don't know what you want, what you like. Do I like this movie? Do I like this organization? Do I like this? Do I like that? And I think that we shouldn't have to wonder those things. Things should just line up. Yeah, I think that younger generations really do desire for that level of transparency in a very meaningful way. I I just think that in our world, there's been a really significant rise in consciousness in general with the focus on conscious capitalism or the triple bottom line or B Corp status or you know, younger generations like millennials really, really coming into the workforce and now becoming the largest percentage of the American workforce. We have all these things that are adjusting and changing, and it really does drive the need for transparency and congruity between what a leader does and what the organization says its values or mission is. I just think that's so profound, but but so not practiced. Exactly. And that's exactly why I feel like focusing on our own branding is so important because branding seems like it's a business thing, but it's not, there's personal branding just the same as there is CEO branding. And I think that what we have to help our clients really get to the bottom of is who they really are so that there are no discrepancies and so that they feel confident and comfortable in whatever they do. You know, we're always going to make mistakes or we always have, there's a light side of us and then there's the shadow side of us. That's just the way that things are. And we have to understand that both sides are going to come out at some point or the other point. But if we're living a truly authentic life, if we're truly living the way that we want to live and doing what we want to do and being who we want to be, then everything else starts falling in place and there's no longer those discrepancies between us and what we choose to do. And I really feel like stripping away, it's like stripping away an onion, stripping away the things that we've been programmed for, the things that we've been told to be, what we think we're supposed to do. If we can strip all that back and really get to who we are and what we really want and what we value, we begin to align with things that really match up with who we are. And then we don't find ourselves in those types of positions where it's like, I know I don't really match with this company, but I'm doing it anyway. And then both you and the company are in a bad space. Yeah. We see that so much today through M&A transactions where 
the acquiring firm is trying really, really hard to assess the culture of the firm they're acquiring and can they really find that connection. And that's really, really something that has become the core, I think, of a lot of M&A transactions is you know that the acquiring firm is going to make money, but what's really critical is that the amount of money they're going to make is actually contingent upon how similar the cultures are or how quickly the acquired firm can take on the bigger firm's culture. And I, I like what you just said a second ago, Ashley, with regards to stripping out that conditioning because society for so long has been telling us all of these things that may or may not have been true. But now that there's this evolution happening in consciousness, we're starting to see things very, very differently. And what we used to think was true isn't necessarily true. So now we're trying to get people on board with a new reality, a new truth, a new whatever. And that's hard. I don't know if you've seen that a lot. I mean, I certainly have. But I love that we're trying to figure out a way to strip away that conditioning in a safe way, but also to prepare people for those new ways of reality. And you said it brilliantly a second ago when you said we have to be okay with both those light and those shadow sides. I just think that's awesome. Can you speak a little bit more to the light and the shadow piece? I feel like there's so many of us, probably all of us, but especially women who have been raised to feel like they have to be perfect, you know? And a lot of high-level successful people, we have this perfection syndrome where we want to be perfect, we need to be perfect, we have to portray ourselves so perfectly. And it seems like a branding consultant would say, yes, this makes sense. But to me, that doesn't necessarily make sense because Mm -hmm. it's not sustainable, it's not possible to be perfect all the time. So we can start preparing ourselves for this is who I am and this is who I am and I can combine both sides. So what are the positives and the negatives to either side of yourself? So for me, I'm very passionate. I'm so passionate. What what comes with passion? I mean, so many great things, right? You always want to be passionate, but the negative things that come with passion, how do you handle your passion? How do you handle what you're saying when you're in passionate moments? How do you handle making decisions when you're in passionate moments? How do you handle making decisions when other people don't agree with you and you're just so passionate about this one thing? And if you don't know how to integrate that passion properly, then you might explode, you might blow up, you might burn bridges, you might make rash decisions. And I think that we have to understand, so this is who I am over here. I'm this passionate person. What are the pros? What are the cons? How do I really learn to integrate the pros and downplay the cons? and get to the depths of those things so that I can positively express who I am without worry or fear of what's going to come out. It is a very challenging thing for an executive to emotionally self-regulate in those moments is when they do feel very, very passionate about a topic or a person or an objective or a project that they really, really want that thing to happen. And when somebody else on the leadership team doesn't want it to happen or has more kind of authority or veto power, we have to really think about, is it okay to lose the battle to ultimately win the longer war? And if we have the ability to self-manage our emotions in that moment or to regulate the passion at least a little bit, it is going to help us so much in building a personal or executive brand that people really want to be a part of because we have the ability to manage ourselves in those moments of stress. Yes, exactly. And I can't think of any better people that I've been able to be around besides superstars, besides the Jay-Zs and the Kanye Wests, where who's more passionate than that, right? (laughs) Who's more passionate than somebody that is very creative and has made it to such a high level of success that also has millions of dollars riding on a tour? So when they want something for their tour, and it doesn't go right, how do they respond? How do they react? And I learned a lot from all of these people. I learned what not to do and I learned what to do. And I learned more importantly, as I mentioned before, the importance of stepping back and observing before you make those decisions. And that's what I've seen all of these very high level successful people do. No matter how passionate they are, they know to step back and observe before they make those decisions. And that gives them the time that they need to be more mindful, to be more aware, to be more conscious of everything that's happening it is such a simple strategy that very few people will employ but it's such an effective one and i was in sedona a couple years back with my stepdaughter and i remember she was having a a stressful day about something i don't remember what the thing was but she ended up speaking with the woman behind the counter and the woman behind the counter listened to her very very actively did a fantastic job and said hey why don't you just imagine that when you're in those stressful moments that you imagine that you kind of rise up out of your body and you look down at this movie 
and you're just an actor in this movie and you're just observing this movie as it plays out. And it was a really simple metaphor, I think, for her to understand in the moment so that she could disconnect emotionally from what was happening because it might have been hurtful for her. But then also to look at it and say, okay, this is one very minor thing in a very long 100 plus year life. I can't let this thing bother me too much. I can still find other ways to live my brand in a way that's going to impact the intended people. Even if this one little thing happening in this movie doesn't work itself out. You're exactly right. I really like to help people with that through Mind, Style, Soul. I like to help them take a step back, basically exactly what you just said, and look at things from a different perspective so that they can be in the moment. Be in the moment. And if you're in the moment, you recognize that there's really nothing wrong, nothing terribly wrong in almost every moment. Of course, there's those moments, you know, your house is burning on fire <laughs> or you're in a terrible accident in that moment. Those moments, of course, are the moments that it's very stressful. But what we do is we keep harping on those moments. We harp on them before they happen and then we harp on them after they happen. Mm. And it takes us out of where we really need to be and it funnels us into a, a reactive place mm -hmm. where we're not able to focus on what we really need to focus on and to have the calmness and the grounding that we need to have in order to make the proper decisions. And that's why I think that being mindful moment by moment by moment of the decisions that we're making, of the things that we're saying, and of the thoughts that we're thinking and the feelings that we're feeling can make all the difference in the world for people, especially professionals, because we're in such a high, stressful environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we really are. And it seems like because the economy has been so strong for almost a decade or just over a decade, right, being in the longest bull market in American history, it creates this environment where executives feel like they have to find new ways to drive revenue, drive performance, drive employee engagement, drive results in some capacity. And in these environments, oftentimes it's about who takes those bigger risks. And those are very, very stressful because there's so many things that can change not only for the individual, but also for the team around them. Or if there's an acquisition or if an office closes or something that really does impact a lot of people. So there's a lot of additional stress, there's a lot of additional activity, there's a lot of additional interruptions, things that we can get distracted by as leaders. And we really have to come back to what Ashley talked about earlier, which is that really true authentic self and figure out a way to just be in the moment and say, okay, gosh, I gotta deal with this right now. But then at some point very soon, we're gonna be able to continue to plow forward on our goals. So authenticity in that way is everything. Everything. Now, we've talked an awful lot about the executives, the CEOs, those folks that need a brand, but I think everybody on their respective teams should also have a brand. And I was with a, a client this morning and we were talking about how every person within his organization should be really, really fantastic about having a personal brand, but also then update their LinkedIn profile or something to make sure that they were also exuding not only their personal brand, but also their firm's brand you get to speak to organizations about CEO and professional and personal branding, but why is it really necessary for every single member of the team? It's not just for the executives, it's really important for every member of the team, and why do you think so? Yeah, I think from a personal perspective, we have to remember that we're not really in the time frame this, these days where you're spending 30 years at the same company. <laughs> Great point. So with that alone in mind, you need to have your own personal brand because if you're too aligned with your company brand and that's all that anybody knows of you, what do you do when you go to the next place? Or I've seen a lot of people where they're so aligned with their company brand, they don't have a personal brand at all, that when they want to go to another company, people don't want to help them. They're like, no, but you're so great at this. You should be working with this company. Why would you leave this company? This is your thing. And that's why it's like we're not being fully authentic sometimes because this is my thing, but I want to do this. I want to expand as I do this, or I want, I might want to do this someplace else. And so I think that if we can hone in on who we are as a professional, specifically our skills and the persona that we want to create with that profession and our expertise and what we do, not always throwing out who we do it for in every single sentence, but what we do, that becomes our personal brand. Mm -hmm. So if, if we're so aligned with what we do, then it's always going to come back positively on the company that we're working with because we start to rise up, we start to step into our empowerment, we start to be known as the expert in this area or in that area, which makes our company look even better than they looked before without boxing us in to we only work for this company, we can never leave again, or we only work in this position, we can never leave again. If you can pull in all of your different skills 
as part of your brand, you're able to move from here to here to here, whether it's within the same company or outside of your company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely an aggregation of things there, Ashley, where we're talking about skills, talents, what we do. And I think a brand, and I think you were alluding to this, is that it's really about the repetitious day-to-day behavior. And the more that we do that and the more we're consistent with that, the easier it is for people to recognize who we are. And I think so many folks miss out on this because they get distracted by other things. As an example, if if you really want to be known as a subject matter expert in some specific thing, you just have to be really active on social media for 15 minutes every single day, posting something, liking something, commenting on something, sharing something. And then over time, the algorithms definitely pick up on you as being a subject matter expert in that area. But if a person sees you talking about that thing repeatedly, they're going to automatically subconsciously recognize you as an expert in that thing. Knowing your skills, knowing your talents, knowing what your goals are, knowing how you're going to go about sharing that messaging and being very repetitious with it, I think is really key. So it doesn't even matter what level you're at in the organization. It's just your commitment to understanding that and then finding ways to share it with the marketplace. Exactly. So that's where I think we have lots of really significant opportunity and chances not only you, Ashley, but also me, I think, in the work that we do, is that we get to help people uncover what their authenticity is, find ways to share it with the respective marketplaces. And what I love about this is that in America, unfortunately, employee engagement is very low. About 33 or 34% of the American workforce likes their job, so it's a very low percentage. But we have in a capacity through Ashley's process or through my process to be able to get people to the point of knowing themselves so well that they make choices that are really aligned with their personal brand and personal mission. And then every single day they feel a sense of happiness or joy or contentment or feeling like they actually have something bigger than themselves to drive to. The closer you get to becoming who you really are and who you really want to be, the more confident you feel when you're making decisions, which also means the more confident you feel when you're making high risk decisions. So you're able to jump from one level to another level more quickly Mm. if you are able to feel confident in those high risk decisions. Mm -hmm. I think that that's one thing that we all need to really focus on is who are we, where do we wanna be and how do we get there? And then if we're confident enough in that, we know how to get there because the steps start presenting themselves. And since we're so aligned with who we really are and what we really want, we feel our way through those steps. This feels good. I'm going to do this. This does not feel right. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to keep going in this direction of what makes me feel good, of what resonates with me, of what feels positive for me. And those are always going to be my next steps. Mm. And that way, you're not questioning yourself every time. You're not thinking, is this the right thing for me? You don't know if it's the right thing for you. You just feel it or you don't feel it. Yeah. I think that's something that we have somewhat pushed off to the side is our own intuition about a topic. And if we don't make enough time to really understand what our own tuition is or feel it in that moment, I just think that that's such a profound thing. And it made me think of mind, style, soul and trying to figure out a way to marry professional development with mindful empowerment. So do you fancy that through mind, style, soul, are you helping people to get more tapped into their intuition? Definitely. I love doing like meditation sessions and mindfulness sessions for professionals or for people who want to be professionals or who are you know, striving to move from one profession to another profession. I love just doing simple mindfulness and meditation sessions for them to help them get into the zone where they let everything go, all of the worry, all of the fears, everything that they've been programmed to be. They can just drop everything there and we can start tapping into what do you really see, what do you really feel, and what do you really want to be. In those moments of solitude, the moments of silence, the moments where you let everything go, for example, in meditation, Those are the moments where your answers come to you, where your visions come to you, where your ideas come to you. And we're just so busy running around, checking off our checklist, doing this, doing that, this email, that email, that we don't take the time very often to allow ourselves that space and that silence to get the answers that we need to get. And as professionals, if we can take more time to hone in and focus on being in the zone, then we can make those steps so much quicker and with so much more confidence. And it's all about that mindfulness. It's all about how do we marry who we are and who we want to be. That takes intention. Mm. It takes for us to know and to think and to feel our way through it and then make the intention that this is what we're going to do and this is who we're going to be. Yeah, that is really a challenging thing for people to do is to say no 
to people to request to meeting requests to the way that they've always done things and I think the answers to whatever it is that they're attempting to create actually does come from those mindfulness moments those moments of reflection that moment for meditation you pick what you want to call it but it really is just having that time for yourself and I was with a client this morning and he was talking about you know what I've never done a personal retreat by myself where for you know, three, five, seven days, I just go somewhere and just have that time for myself. So for everybody listening, if you don't make time for yourself day to day, whether it's a 15 minute meditation session, whether it's a weekly meeting with Ashley, or whether it's, you know, a couple times per year, you just disappear to a different state or a different country and just make that time for just peace and relaxation in your own heart, you're really missing out because there's a lot to be said for the clarity that comes from those moments of just being with yourself and saying, what the heck do I really want out of my life and how am I going to go about doing it? But like Ashley just said, the answers actually come when no one else is around and you're just there planning in your mind. Yes. And we spend so much time asking everybody else, what do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? Or worrying about what they think we should do. You know, they're not going to like it if I do this or they're not going to like it if I do that. But the truth is nobody knows what's better for your life than you. But it's all about tapping into who you really are and tapping into your truest, highest self to get those answers for you. Mm. I so completely agree. And meditation has really changed my life even in probably the last six months too. I've been way more mindful about doing yoga probably five times a week-ish, whether it's 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever. I also have an app on my phone called Insight Timer. And it's a very, very effective app for meditation. So guided meditations or just listening to gong baths or music, it's so helpful. If you don't have time for a session or you can't get to it actually fast enough, use Insight Timer to be able to find a way to find those moments of peace or clarity for yourself because they really are that important to your own personal safety, well-being, health, all of those things, but also really to the living of your personal brand. So for you, Ashley, when you think about tips that you have for a person and really going through a process of developing their personal brand like what would those tips be how do we go through developing that personal brand for ourselves yeah i think the first thing is understanding that in order to really be as authentic as you can as a person so as a brand we need to be willing to take our prior beliefs and our programming off the shelf and reprogram ourselves and add new beliefs or sometimes different beliefs and sometimes the same old beliefs, right? It depends on what's working for you, what's not. Add those back onto the shelf and work from there. So it takes a lot of inner work and that's why mindfulness is so important, whether it's in branding or whether it's in your overall profession in general, because working on yourself from the inside out is the most effective way to change your outer world but it's also the hardest thing to do because we have to come face to face with who we really are and where we're not living up to our own expectations of ourselves and what expectations should no longer be there what's no longer serving us so i think first and foremost doing the inner work really determining who we are and who we want to be and where those differences are but secondly learning moment by moment how to be more authentic with who you are as well so say what you need to say say what you mean mean what you say don't say yes if you don't want to say yes don't say no if you don't want to say no and feel through who you really are that way you start to get a bigger and a better version an idea of who you really want to be as a brand and what you want beyond where you are right now so a lot of times i'll take people through a five-year visualization of their ideal self Basically, the end result is you're able to see and to speak with your ideal self from five years from now. You're able to get advice from your ideal self five years from now. And you're able to feel how they make you feel, which means that's how you want to make other people feel, right? How do they look? That's how you need to start moving towards, right? Are they wearing something that you would never wear in your life? Well, they're telling you something. What kind of car do they drive up in? Where are they going? Where are they coming from? How do they make you feel when they very first meet you? How do they greet you? If we can see all of these things, then we're able to learn how to step into that. Without seeing things, it's really hard for us to have that direct target for what we really want. And I think that a lot of people talk about branding from a design standpoint or from a marketing standpoint, but I think a lot of us are missing the inner work and the mindfulness and the awareness side of our branding so that we can be happy overall. Because there's no such thing these days as work separately than personal life. 
it's not even like we have a work-life balance. In order for us to be successful and not try to jump over the edge, we have to have a good work-life integration tactic. And how can you integrate your work and your life if they're not highly aligned and if you're not being fully authentic and know exactly what you want and who you want to be? I completely agree. When you think about work-life integration, we as a society have really tried to focus on work-life balance. And if you view work-life balance as though it's like the, the justice scale, there's only ever one point on that scale where you know work-life balance is actually ever going to exist. And that's such a challenging thing to find. But if, if we can really get to the point of work-life integration where wherever we're at, whether it's work, whether it's home, whether it's travel, whether it's whatever you're doing, if you're 100% present in that moment and doing that thing to the best of your ability, that's a much better approach to work-life integration because we're seeing through organizations that are offering much more in terms of flexible schedules and work from home options and we're finding new ways to do work right we're entering into this gig economy where people work 1099 as opposed to full-time so so many things are adjusting and changing and it's challenging for some because they're letting go of the way that they used to do things but it's also a blessing because there's many new ways of life that are coming that allow for that work-life integration and that allow for the experience of those feelings because once you really think about the feeling you desire to have and then you start to design your life around that feeling to Ashley's point a few minutes ago that's really where the power is so you have to think about who are you going to be in five years what's the feeling you're going to have what are those everyday emotions then you start to develop today day to day the things that are going to make those feelings and emotions and happy experiences happen every single day absolutely and even just little things like think of what makes you feel like you're having fun Maybe it's watching a movie, maybe it's going on a hike, maybe it's going for a walk, maybe it's turning on certain music, maybe it's dancing around your house for a minute. It could be anything, talking to your friends on the phone. And just do more of that every day. Do five minutes more of that every day. Do 10 minutes of more of things that make you feel good and that make you feel like you're having fun or living a good life. It doesn't have to be a drastic change. Just doing little things every day. You mentioned this earlier, doing little things every day will make all the difference in the world and be consistent with it. Make it a point, I want to be happy. I want to feel free. I want to be successful. I want to, there could be so many different things, right? Mm-hmm. And then just do little things every day towards whatever it is that you really want. I want to have a better body. I want to be more stylish. I want to laugh more. I mean, it could be anything. Yeah. And there's so many ways in five to 10 to 20 minutes a day to make drastic changes in small ways day to day. Yeah. Somebody recently asked me how I define success. And to me, success is what percent of your day do you spend living your life's mission? And most people like to define success as a certain title or income or fame or power or whatever those things might be for society. And I just really want people to get to the point that they're listening to Ashley's words and saying, you know what, to me, success is that I'm spending this extra 15 minutes today on me. And I'm saying no to this thing and I'm giving my family more time or I'm going to go for a hike today because that's what my body needs. I'm stressed and all these things. And so if you can just spend an increasingly larger percentage of your day living your personal brand and your personal mission, like to me, that's success. Being better today than you were yesterday, that's success. Attempting to compare yourself to somebody else because you admire something he or she has, that's not necessarily success. You can use it as a benchmark and that's great, but what would really be awesome is if you were 1% better today than you were yesterday. Yes, you're exactly right. And there's so many ways to help make that happen. We just have to be consistent. <laughs> totally. We talked about that earlier, didn't we? So yeah. when when we're developing our brand, Ashley, in your mind, is there a really specific starting point that says, if I do this thing, I know that I'm going to be committed to building out this personal brand, whatever it becomes. What's the starting point? I think the starting point is I have to promise myself that I'm going to be 100% real with myself throughout this process. And that's one thing that, you know, a lot of people have a hard time doing Mm -hmm. or don't know how to do or don't want to because, like I said, it makes you look in the mirror. I think that's the starting point. I think moving forward from that, it's getting with somebody who can really help you refine that brand. And it could even be online. You could look up branding exercise online, too, if you don't have the money to afford a consultant or a coach or to watch their videos or their programming. Once we decide that we are willing to be completely authentic, the universe just kind of gets out of our way. It'll just push things out of our way. 
and start opening doors for us. Because once we make that decision, we're also deciding that we want to live a better life. We want to be a better person. We want to be happier. We want to be more successful. We want to be this. Or we want to be that. Once we make those decisions, things just start to fall in our laps because we're no longer blocking those things from coming to us with that the inauthenticity, mm-hmm. with the fakeness, with the things that we don't really want to be, don't really want to do. And I know that that sounds kind of new age-ish maybe. I'm not really sure. sure. But it's so true. Mm-hmm. We have make the decision first and foremost and we have to be real with ourselves as we're making the decision i'm not where i want to be i might be in a great spot but i see so much more for myself and i'm willing to make the changes that i need to make within myself to change my habits my patterns whatever it is that i my belief system my programming whatever it is to get to this place because i know that this place over here that's what i really want to be That is such a challenging thing for people to consider or to do unless they have those folks around them that are really willing to support them and help them. I'm really, really grateful that you brought that up, Ashley, because it's a really challenging thing for executives or people within an organization to just do in general. But if you do it, if you make that commitment to yourself, your life is really, really going to get exponentially better. There's a couple things here. Uh, There's a book named Option B by Sheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant that talks an awful lot about what do we do in those moments of change. And it's a really great read that can help with this. That I think is a really, really critical thing as we think about the change process. Secondarily, when humans are going through change, their brain automatically defaults to the very things that they have to give up. They don't automatically think about the blessings and the optimistic possibility that's coming to them. Ashley is encouraging each of us to think about how do we optimistically think about the blessings that are coming our way not just the things that might be going wrong or that we might have to lose. Because they exist, they're going to be there. But what is actually better is all of the blessings that are coming our way that we might not even be aware of yet. Right. Wouldn't we want a better replacement for something? (laughs) Yep, yep. You know, like, it's okay to give something away if you know that what's coming is so much better. A lot of times we don't know, we don't feel like we know that what's coming is so much better. But that's why if we decide, I want to live a better life for myself, then a better life for myself is what's going to come as long as we're consistently working towards it. Mm. So it doesn't really matter what's left behind because whatever's left behind is going to be replaced with something so much greater and so much more in alignment with who you really want to be and Mm. the brand that you really want to have. I like that a lot. That is so true. Are you experiencing, Ashley, other or maybe not so much you, but your your clients and people that you engage with, do they have challenges that they seem to continually be confronted by? And like, what do you think they are? I think the biggest challenge for all of us, but we'll speak specifically on my clients and myself, has always been and probably will always be the perception of others. Mm. So you living your most authentic life will not fall in alignment with a lot of people. <laughs> yep. Because they want you to live the life that they want you to live. They want you to act and be and say and do what they think will be most beneficial for you. And everybody, most people come from a positive perspective when they, when they try to shape you or when they try to protect you, it's Mm -hmm. because they want to protect you or they want you to live your best life. So when we're becoming our most authentic selves, when we're really refining who we are, it can rub a lot of people the wrong way. That goes in line with what you were saying about leaving things behind. We don't want to leave others behind. We don't want them to leave us behind. We want to keep on tiptoeing the way that we tiptoe in one area or another to keep everything smooth, to keep the water smooth. What I think we have the biggest issue with is in order for me to live my best life, to be my most successful, to be the brand that I really want to be, the person that I really want to be, it's going to hurt these people's feelings or it's going to make them upset or what are they going to think about me? And that's the biggest thing we have to strip away in order to really live our fullest, most highly potential life. Yes, and I I love the way that you said that. We all desire to have some sense of acceptance, right? To be accepted by another group of people. And oftentimes when we're doing things that others see as being unconventional, they want to pull us back down to their level or to put us in a box that makes them feel safe or comfortable. And when we attempt to do things, that are a little bit different or aspirational or taking a risk, that's challenging for them to be able to absorb or understand or accept, but you still have to do it. If the quote, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, if that's true, there might be those one, two, possibly three people that you have to start spending less time with 
and you have to be introduced to one, two, three new people that are actually going to support you in the development to whatever's coming next. And yeah. that transition's challenging, but it's worth it. Totally worth it. And we have to remember that these two or three or so people that we may have to lose for now, they don't have to be gone forever or gone entirely. Mm. It's just as we're reshaping who we are, we need to make sure that we are really reshaping who we really are and the right people will realign with us. I don't know if you've uh, watched this TED Talk, uh, Ashley, but a guy named Casey Gerald did a TED Talk about the gospel of doubt. And it's in a beautiful, beautiful TED Talk. So everybody listening, please, TED.com, type in Casey Gerald, C-A-S-E-Y, last name Gerald, G-E-R-A-L-D, and tremendous, tremendous look at how we tend to think that society and everything happens one way. But what Casey talks about is that sometimes we have to doubt what it is that we've been told in, in order to reimagine a new and different and potentially better life. I'm kind of a dork for TED Talks and podcasts and things along those lines, but Casey's has always really stood out to me for some reason. So I just want to share that with everybody. For you, Ashley, do you have TED Talks, podcasts, books, white papers, research, anything that you have really relied on in your work to not only work on a person's style historically, but now really to be a stylist of people? Like, what are those resources? Yes. I, I love to read a lot or listen to Audible either way. And I love podcasts. I love YouTube videos. And I love speaking with other people of all, any kind of people, children, older people, yeah. <laughs> teachers, communicating with animals, just understanding nature more. Some of the books, though, that I think have really helped shape me. I don't always focus on the professional books. I focus a lot of times on the spiritual type books as well because I feel like that's where I get the most out of my own spiritual growth, which directly helps me every single time with my own personal and professional growth too. So I really love the book, The Seed of the Soul. Hmm. It's by Gary Zuka. He's amazing. I love Awaken the Giant Within from Anthony Robbins. You know, we all know Tony Robbins. Mm One thing from Gary Keller is a really good one too, but I think my favorite book that helps both personally and professionally and spiritually is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Big one, yeah. Yeah, it's a huge one. And then there's, of course, money books that are really helpful. Like I love Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker. And fun books, like there's a book called The Fred Factor by Mark Sandburn. And it just basically talks about, Bread Factor is great because it talks about being the best that you can be at whatever you are. Fred Factor is about like a post office man, like a mailman. And just being the best mailman he could be, it inspires other people. If we can be the best we can be, if we can be the most authentic, the most understanding, the le- the least judgmental, the better, the best listeners we can be, everything that you and I have talked about, if we can just be that, we give others the freedom and the self-empowerment to be their best also. And The Fred Factor is really good. It's a very short book, but it talks about that. It just talks about just be, no matter what you're doing, where you are, whatever position you're at, start there and be the best at it that you can be. And amazing results will come from that, Hmm. moving you forward. And that's what I've experienced in my career. I haven't, I can't think of a job, maybe I've had one, but I can't think of a job that I've had that wasn't a referral or a direct connection from somebody else. And that's because no matter what I'm doing, I'm doing it the best I can do it. And that, that opens people's eyes to your potential, even if it's not in the arena that you think they need you, somebody that they know might need you for something and they see you being really great at whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, that is such a brilliant piece of advice that people often forget is that, especially younger folks, right? There's this myth, maybe theory, that millennials always want to be promoted to what's next. And maybe some of that's true on a case-by-case basis, but I don't think it is generally true of the entire anybody born between 1980 and 2000. What I think is actually more true is that what you just said is really powerful is that just be really great at what it is that you're doing. Put in the extra work and what it is that you're doing. That will get recognized because you're going above and beyond everybody else that's around you. And then what will happen from there is you'll be given other blessings and opportunities to work on cross-functional projects or to serve on a board of directors like Ashley and I have done over the years to be able to help community organizations and these other opportunities are going to come to you, you're going to serendipitously meet the right people, and then your career is going to blossom. Totally. And the thing about that that's so beautiful is that you being the best that you can be at whatever it is, you really learning that about yourself and stepping into that power, 
it gives people the desire to hear your voice, to hear what you have to say, to pick your brain, to know what's going on with you. That's how you create the seats at the table. That's how you create the space for yourself. You create your platform for what really matters to you. Mm. And people start to respect you in that arena, respect what you have to say, no matter what it's going to be, and listen to that. And that we all want our voice heard. We all want our initiatives to be tackled. We all want people to follow along with us as we follow along with others on their journey, right? We all want that. So if you're not doing what you need to do to be the most respectable as possible in your arena, then why would anybody really care so much about what you have to say, your opinions, your ideas, your perspective, and what matters to you? Yeah, those things absolutely have to be shared in order to be heard or to be ready for promotion or ready for those external projects that are really going to help your brand grow. When we think about trying to break free from society's mold or to do things differently or to break free from self-limiting beliefs, like what's the one piece of advice that you'd like to offer people to do that? The one piece of advice, this is going to sound counterintuitive, but it's to be selfish. We've been taught that being selfish is a really bad thing, but what I mean by that is make decisions for yourself because it's your life. Think about what really makes you happy, what really makes you feel good, what you really love to do, and do those things. Do those things. You becoming your best self, you determining that what you want really matters, you have permission to follow your dreams, you have permission to be who you want to be, you have permission to be different, permission to change, permission to transform, permission to be the oddball, permission to go for this high-risk situation. You can do all those things, and a lot of people won't want you to for so many reasons, so many good reasons, too. You know, they want you to be safe and protected, like you said. You determining that what you want really matters will change the course of everybody's lives that are close to you. Because they'll, first, they might be angry, like we talked about before, or upset or sad or disappointed or scared or whatever. But they'll see you flourish, they'll see you grow, and they'll then have the freedom, they'll feel the freedom to do the same. You empowering yourself empowers other people. And what we do typically is we try to empower other people and we put ourselves last or we Mm. put what they want over what we want. So that's when I say being selfish in that way is probably the most important thing you can do along this journey to really empower yourself and then others. That is so completely true. Be selfish, choose yourself. There's a line, Ashley, on your website that says, I used to be a stylist for people, their wardrobe, their fashion, their look, their image. Now I'm a stylist of people, their love, their light, their freedom and power. And I love that couple of sentences or that statement because it's very, very profound. But what you just said was very much in alignment with that, is that you're there to help people believe in themselves and allow for them to be selfish in a a period of time that allows them to rediscover their love and their light and their freedom and their power. And I want to acknowledge and honor you for that because I think it's such a beautiful thing that you've gone through all of these transformations and changes in your own life. And as a result of that, you've gained the knowledge and skills to be able to then facilitate other people through that movement for themselves to rediscover their own self-love or to rediscover their light, their freedom and their power. Kudos to you for doing what you've done and serving as a light for others, Ashley. I think that's fantastic. Thank you. I mean, I feel like you do the same thing. You've been a light for me. You've been a light for so many people in our community and beyond, of course, the Phoenix community. And I think that it's all about stepping into your purpose, stepping into your power. And there's no competition. You are you. You are doing what you want to do, what you love to do. And from that space, you're able to openly and freely help other people in ways that they need to be helped because you've done that own work for yourself. And so I feel like there just needs to be more and more people who have that courage who have the courage to really be themselves and share themselves with the rest of the world Mm. courage is such a beautiful word Uh, so thank you for saying that so i've already referenced uh, the stylephoenix.co website so what are the best places to to follow you or to engage with you ashley great my instagram is at ashbash underscore style phx my company instagram is at style phx i have twitter too same thing but minus the underscore it's just ash bash style khx facebook is not so great it's not really my favorite so it's harder to get a hold of me there but i mean i have my email too it's on my website it's ashley at stylephx.co.co and i love engaging with people like that's the thing i've, I've done videos and things like that and that's harder for me because there's no engagement with other people so i love when people reach out i love when people talk to me i love when people ask me questions i love doing instagram lives and things like that and i love 
working with organizations. So if ever there's an opportunity for me to help your organization to come in and speak or to do a workshop, I love working with people like on a one-to-many approach because I really feel like that's where we all come together. Our energy comes together. We let the walls down and we can really tackle things together and people tend to love those one-to-many approaches with me. So that's another great way too. If ever you see that I'm coming up somewhere, speaking somewhere, have a public workshop, just come to it. That's such a brilliant strategy and it's such an important reminder for all of us is that relationships trump everything else. Relationships matter and the way that those get built or the way that those get deepened is sometimes it's watching Ashley on an Instagram live. It is going to one of her events or going to an event, but just make sure that you're building and forming those relationships. And so as we bring this to a close, Ashley, thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate your insights about personal branding, about courage, about power, about all of those things. So thank you for being my guest. Yes, thank you. Have a wonderful day. And thank you, everybody, for for participating today. It's been another tremendous episode of Equal Chance to Be Unequal. So with that, we will bid you adieu, go forth, and be awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Equal Chance to Be Unequal. I'm Michael S. Siever. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and like, share, or comment on this podcast on michaelssiever.com, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube. Go forth and be awesome.